pleased at what I am. I say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man. When we meet in the local hall, I'll be voting with them all. With a head of a shout, it's out, brothers out, and the rise of the Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, union fans. This is Chris Job Wallace, the host of Zola's Hoff. And we are uh, brought to you today by our friends over at PhillySoccerPage.net. Big thanks to those guys who keep providing us an outlet to Union fans. Today we welcome back Jason Huff on the program. We'll be discussing all things Union as always, and specifically the departure of Sporting Director Ernie Stewart. So hope uh, you enjoy the podcast and uh, follow us on Zolo or at Zolo on Twitter. And uh, send any questions, concerns to us there. All right, enjoy the show. Okay, welcome back to Zolo Talk, and we are now joined by a good friend of the podcast, Jason Hoff. Jason, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me back. It's a new day, a new dawn in the Philadelphia Union world. Um, as of uh, midnight on August 1st, or this morning, we're recording this at around 9 o'clock on August 1st, Ernie Stewart no longer a part of the Union front office. Strange, strangest feeling. Um, but you know, it's the, it's the reality at this point. How do you think the union have handled the transition so far? Poorly. I, you know, he gave them several months notice that this, that this move was coming, that he was, he was headed out and we don't have someone ready to go day one of his absence. I just don't quite understand how that happened. Yeah, pr- pretty surprising. I mean, I thought yesterday or last night, like maybe twelve fifteen, uh, Jonathan Tannenbaum tweet comes out saying, you know, pretty much that the union have. I mean, it felt like a premeditated leak. It felt like a Woj bomb union leak where they knew the questions were going to start immediately. What have you guys been doing for the last sixty days? And then he kind of squirrels out a little bit of news there, um, letting you know that you know they they found somebody. Ahead of it, but at this point, you have seven days. You have exactly one week before the Open Cup semifinal, and I don't understand how do you how do you bring somebody in at this point with the window open for one week, and whose vision is being served there? It's a it's a strange feeling right now. What do you expect? What do you expect to happen in the next three to five days? Nothing. They're, I mean, they're not, they're not going to sign anybody. They're not, they're not going to make – maybe they make a trade and just pick up some extra cash. Like maybe they move CJ out. But they're really not going to – they're not going to do anything. I mean, that's, and that's probably why they weren't rushing to fill this position because they knew there's no money for them to spend. So, I mean, they're just, they're just comfortable waiting, which is crazy. Um, but if they know they're not making any moves, it doesn't – you know, they feel like they have that time to, to really bring somebody in. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a super a massive bet on, their, on what they have now, right, is to do nothing over the next week. Um, it's because if they flame out of the, the Open Cup, it's going to be a battle to get into the playoffs. Imagine this team kind of ending in the same way, having gone through the entire summer, really making zero moves. Um, now, just talking about what's happened up until today, and we're going to get into a little bit of the past, a little bit of the future as we go along here. Um, but I know that the uh, the guy from the French League one, I think Anthony Rivalin, I'm probably pronouncing that incorrectly, has been rumored to have already come to terms with the union and is waiting on um, an international spot maybe to open up for him. 
Um, but I'm gonna, here's my question for you. Uh, as a master of the FIFA transfer market, what do you think Anthony Rivalin's overall rating in FIFA is as of right this moment? 61. <laughs> it's a 68. It's a 68. Okay. But so, and the only reason I went that low, I, I saw a tweet earlier though today that he's only being looked at for the steal. Oh, Lord. I'd, ha- I'd have to go back and find. I really should have saved that, obviously, for this. Um, but that he is, yeah, that he is a, uh, a steel target and not a union target. Oh, that's disappointing. That I did not see. I mean, I, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't even know what to do with that news. If that's what came, if that's what ends up being that he's added to the steel, it's pretty disappointing. I just can't understand how a team that's this in the middle of the pack thinks that, I mean, maybe they know that they need to make moves and there's just, there's just no money in the, in the bank. Yeah. I mean, that's almost certainly what it is. I mean, it's, it's not that Ernie didn't have a target of, you know, a list of targets that he wanted or thought would have been a good fit. I mean, it's just simply that they just don't have the money to spend. This is just the reality of our owner. You know? Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of like, where's the money going? Like he's, there's expansion fees getting paid nearly every year. I mean, there's, what, is there 40 teams? I think there's 24 teams, but there's been a decent amount of expansion. I think that there's a cost that's shared around the league when these teams come on board. I mean, there was a plenty of years when we were doing well. It seems kind of crazy that we're not spending um, any money. Like there's no real cash influx. And maybe, maybe some of that money came from, you know, building out the training complex. Maybe we overextended ourselves. You know, as a, as a fan of Arsenal, I've watched as, you know, there's a stadium built, you're paying off the debt because you had to borrow money to build the stadium for such an amount of time. You're telling your fans that you don't have that because you're taking care of your books. Is that a situation? Is that a possibility that we overextended ourselves on the, uh, uh, what is it, the Power Home and uh, Power Home Remodeling Training Center? <laughs> yeah, it's certainly certainly a possibility and if your your owner is cash strapped to begin with um you know this is this yeah this is the reality of the situation it's crazy i mean crazy to think that our owner that an owner of professional sports is cash strapped but that that is the reality um ernie stewart comes on board in 2015 are we in a better place is the i mean i guess you know let me break that up is the first team in a better place today than we were in 2015? Uh, you know, I think we are. I do. We, we've got, we've got some solid young players out there right now that are, that are getting some minutes. Uh, we're still a mess up top. I mean, like we've kind of always been, um, but I do think that we are in a better place than, than say 2015. Yeah, I agree with that. I think you're right. The, the back line, we have some homegrowns in there, and they're playing very well. But the front, we've missed. I mean, if you're not going to spend in the first place, you can't afford to miss. And missing on Jay Simpson, what it seems like a miss on David Akam, right? Like those are two, those are two major signings up front to for both of those guys to really have produced very little to date is it's yep. going to, it'll crush you, you know, for a team that's not going to spend in the first point place. So 
Um, I would agree with that. I think um, – I don't know if we kept up with the curve. I think some of these other teams are you – know, Oh, we're no. Than we're, <laughs> we're well behind the curve. Yeah. Well yeah, behind yeah. the curve. I mean, you look what LAFC is doing, you know, Atlanta United, the money they're spending, and then just uh, FC Cincinnati just spent a million dollars on a guy the other day. Yeah, you know, I, was watching, not some... I was watching a little bit of that All-Star game um, earlier this evening, and, like, the place – Atlanta's just packed – it's, I'm just shocked. I mean, I, if you've been to Atlanta before, it's, it's shocking that like they have 60,000, 70,000 people coming out to these Atlanta United games in year two. It's just, it blows my mind. Um, but again, that's a reality that we're in, that we're in now. Um, and we're going to have to catch up at some point. I don't know how, but let's look at the last three years. Let's go back and, and look a little bit about what we've done on the, on the uh, Ernie Stewart clock. Um, he comes on board in 2015. Um, you know, I think the biggest signing um, of that 2015, 2016 season is Roland Alberg, um, who I think came on a free transfer, right? I mean, that's the union credo, right? Is that we wait for the guys out of contract and then we skip the transfer fee. Um, but that, that 2015, yep. that 2015 season, uh, guess how much we spent in transfer costs that year coming into the season? 75,000 over $0. Now I'm not oh. saying, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a guarantee that we didn't spend money that we didn't, our budget wasn't higher. Um, but the interwebs tell me we spent $0 on actual transfer fees. Um, now, the year after that, we move on, 2016, 2017. They bring in Bedoya, um, I believe, in January of, or, or early in that uh, 2016 season. Um, some good draft thing at that point. That's, that's the Jack Elliott draft. Um, or that's the 2017 draft, right? 2017 and 20. It's 2017 drafts Jack Elliott. Yeah, so yep. Jack Elliott, um, Marcus Epps. So some good players are drafted at that point. Um, but the only person that's purchased, well, you know, I shouldn't say that because you get Wijnaldum, who was without a club at one point, the brother the, with the, the not as talented brother. Um, yeah, well, he came in from, brother, he was free, I believe. Yeah. And he was, and that guy ended up playing like 25 games. Yeah. He, he did a little bit more than just kind of, uh, Filling a gap there, he ended up becoming a, <laughs> I mean, a well-respected starter for the one year he was there. Yeah, but I think um, he did all right. I mean, I really honestly thought he was okay. I liked him too. I mean, he was dead slow um, and probably done at this point. I believe his uh, his current status in uh, the world of football is retired. Um, but I, it was, I thought it was a decent pickup. But I don't know what we're doing. I, sometimes I get confused as, are we a building club that needs to play young players or are we a club that is looking to win games? I think we have an identity crisis there. I think we don't have the time yep. to be this young club. Like nobody has the patience for it in year eight. But we're not going to – like we have to, we have to trust the pro- – the process is going to be like a 15-year process though. There's no lie. Yeah, no, and I, I, and I completely agree with that. And that's what makes kind of – uh, Ernie's statements about his, his support of Jim Curtin so much just kind of a little bit stranger because, you know, 
Ernie's saying that we need to build through the youth and you've got to have, you know, you've got to have faith and give it that time. But then these guys aren't seeing the field. Yeah, Fontana, it's, it, I thought that the same way. You know, I think Fontana of the four homegrowns is the one who's played the least. And he's like the first one who touched the field early in the season. Like he was the one where you're like, man, you know, Fontana's out there. I guess Austin Trusty played in that first game too. But Fontana was the one who you thought was ahead of the curve. And now he's, he's not playing at all. Um, I love the guy, the two in the back. I mean, let's, so we'll, we'll switch a little bit to the young guys for a second here. Um, the four homegrowns, Trusty and McKenzie, you just, you're ready to work through those um, rookie mistakes, right? At this point, they've done enough. Yeah. Yes. They, they, they've done enough. Yeah. I agree. Let's say an offer comes in for Trusty, $10 million over the winner. What do you do? Well, I say no because I don't know, I don't know what our ownership is like. You said I don't know what the ownership is doing with the money that we do have. Okay, so you're saying even if you play this money ball strategy, you're concerned that 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 um, revenue is not going to be reinvested into the club and the first team. Yeah, like I and I don't you know I'd be aware that money a lot of money goes to pay off like a loan for like a Chester parking lot, like something just. <laughs> Like very strange, it just doesn't. Some you know, it's not addressing what's happening on the field. Look, if if they use those funds to pave lot A, I'm not going to be furious about it. <laughs> I've lost like 15 <laughs> pairs of shoes due to like rainy games where I'm just like slogging through the mud out there. But that's fair, you know. I never even thought about the fact that when we become when we get over the hump of being this, let's call it a building team that plays their young players, sells them for a profit, you know. What are we doing? Who, how do we trust that we're reinvesting the funds accurately? Um, that's a great point. And, I, and honestly, because we haven't even gotten to the first part of that, you know, of selling a guy like Trusty and McKenzie, I haven't even thought about how, what they would do with the money if they had it. It's terrifying. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they, I mean, they don't have a great track record with the homegrown. Like, yeah, they're doing well this year, but you're looking at last year's team, like, where's Derek Jones? Where's Adam Naham? Like, where, these guys just aren't there. I'm so sad about Derek Jones. I love the Derek Jones game. I, I'd, I'd love to see him on the field. And this hurts to say, and I, and I like Manujanin, but I would like to see more Derek Jones because I just think the value of Derek Jones on the field at this point and for, his, and like for the career and the arc that we need at the Union is probably more important than Harris's, than Harris's minutes right now. Yes, like I completely agree. Like if, if our... If youth is our goal here, he, Derek Jones has to be on the field or has to be playing. Like, he has to be getting minutes, whether he, he's fully ready for them or not. I mean, he just he has, he has to be out there. And I think it gives, gives the fans, the supporters, a peace of mind as well. Like, if you can see Derek Jones out there and he just doesn't have it, then you feel more comfortable moving on from him. Yeah, like, let's find out. Let's find out what the guy's got. But, and then, you know, if it's not there, okay, plug Mnuchin back in if we're not getting it done. But at yeah. this point, we're a 500, borderline sub-500 yep. team with Mujan. Where's the value in that? I mean, I would rather find out that Derek Jones isn't the one, bottom out, get him out, get, the, get, him out, get somebody else in there because we know he's not doing the job. Um, but at 21, he's, like, we're closing in on what's the replacement value for a Derek Jones. I mean, he played in the U20 World Cup a year ago or two years ago, and now this guy is totally, like, he can't even get on the field in the MLS for a sub 500 team. Ah, it's maddening, but I'm, I, I agree with you. There's something you got to figure out how to get these guys on the field. All of them. 
have to. And I, what I think hurts a little bit is that the U.S. Open Cup is so important to the union that they're not even they're not even able to use those games to just kind of get people more minutes. Yeah, I, I agree. They're going to have to use Saturday night in Portland for those minutes. Like they should, all four of these kids, the homegrowns, should be starting on set on saturday night at 11 o'clock eastern standard time in portland if, in my opinion because it, they got to get on the field and you gotta you gotta look at wax wednesday yeah that i completely agree that's got to be the priority we're actually in a you know we're in an okay spot playoff wise uh, i think we have a couple of games in hand so we, we do have the opportunity there even if we did drop a few points of focus on the on the uh u.s open cup i think that's our best bet Oh, um, no. right now. I mean, we're not serious contenders. You know, I mean, the playoffs are great, but it, I almost would rather not make the playoffs right now because I don't want to give ownership an excuse not to spend money. As yeah, bad no, as that sounds, because once you're in, you've always got a shot, but I don't really believe that. Get into the Champions League the easiest way you can, and that's by winning two games in the U.S. Open Cup. I have n- this guy seems won like two road games in the last three calendar years or some wild stat. There's no way I'm worried about trying to get through the MLS Cup. It takes like three months to get through these playoffs. Like, I don't think we have a shot through there. You got to win these two. No. Got to win these two. And then we're talking Champions League at that point. And I, we, once that money starts flowing in. <laughs> Whatever it takes. I mean, yeah. you know, and I do think that if we did make that in – Champions League. It does bring a little bit of excitement. It gives them, you know, something to market and brings a little bit more, you know, a few more fans around. Oh, thousand um, percent. I mean, just imagine, just imagine like a Mexican club like uh, America or Tijuana coming to Talent Energy Stadium. I mean, in a game that mattered. Like, I think that would just be amazing. Yeah, yeah. Even if the Union fans are outnumbered, uh, yeah, that's yeah, still, still that stadium. Yo, know, just bring that atmosphere in there, and I think that does help a lot. These games um, are in like February or March. They're early, they're before the season. It's gonna be freezing down there, freezing. But yeah, we still need to be in there. Uh, there was a quick uh, there was a quick tweet earlier today. Uh, union rumors were talking about a few um, possible candidates for the the job, the sport the sporting director or the technical director's job. Um, I think they named the old. Um, Ali Curtis, the old Red Bulls um, GM or sporting director. It's, it's essentially a general manager. Um, they named a guy from the Heinrich Frankfurt squad that just came on the friendly, which was surprising, but supposedly he was up when they went after um, Ernie Stewart. And then um, there was somebody else on that list. I'm not sure exactly who. What, what do you expect from that signing? Who do you see coming at to follow Ernie's footsteps here? I would think that it's probably Ali Curtis. Um, I, I do believe he finished as kind of the runner-up to the job when Ernie um, got the role, if I read that correctly. Um, that could be completely wrong. Uh, but I do think that it, I, do, I do think Ali Curtis is, is the front-runner because he's got the uh, MLS experience as well. Let me ask you this. Here's a quick trivia question. Where was Ali Curtis born? So I have my computer up. So I just, oh, what a rat. <laughs> Anyway, yes, and what a coincidence that it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I mean, it fits like a glove. Um, I'm going to guess. Uh, he ha- So he replaced in 2014. He took over in the Red Bulls as a sporting director. So I'm going to guess that he led them 
to their first supporter shield. And he's probably the one who went out and found um, brother Philip Phillips, right? That's my guess who just scored his hundredth goal the other day. I mean, 2014. Uh, yeah, I would think so. And then also side note, awesome celebration from Wright Phillips to have um, that. Sh- the extra jersey. Number 100 under. Yeah. <laughs> he must have been cooking under two shirts for that amount of time. Yep. It was pretty good, though. I agree. Um, but, you know, I, I just watched. He was on the uh, All-Star game, and they mentioned that he that uh, Wright Phillips came over as a trialist. And they liked him. They kept him. And he just w- worked himself into the team. Scores 100 goals. I mean, it's impressive. Um, but there's – Certainly some luck involved there uh, as well. I guess, I mean, would you be happy with the Curtis signing? Who do you want them? Yeah, so I, forget, I about, forget about who well, you think they'll sign. Who would you like to see? Well, I, I really don't even know. I mean, it's... Would you prefer Curtis to the Frank the Frankfurt director? Yeah, I would. Because I think I would because, Ali, you know, Ali Curtis has worked in MLS, and I think yeah. the Frankfurt guys come over here and be quite shocked at how the MLS works and how, again, we just don't have an owner that's going to spend money. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I think you're right that he probably knows the landscape. Um, I got I want to go in and see kind of what his hires were because I know, um, I want to say before Jesse Marsh at New York, it was um, Mike Petke maybe. Um, so he had two, um, I think, yeah, two American coaches. So, you know, Jim Curtin kind of, I think that fits the bill a little bit. Um, I think it's, that probably makes the most sense if he's, a, if he's out there and available. Um, and he probably follows along with the Ernie Stewart model as it is now. So um, maybe, maybe he comes on board and, and they don't miss a step and he's already got some things. I mean, I, can't, I just can't imagine they spent the last 60 days 60 days not getting a good feel. I mean, how could you have allowed the window to open and close without making a change or bring anybody in at this point? Because so I, I've got a theory here after, I mean, after kind of reading this, that they had agreed that they say that they've agreed to the terms of their chosen candidate, their process of finalizing that contract. I wonder if they're trying to find the last amount of like bit of money. And oh. I, I, I know we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but I wonder if this IU deal falling through could hamper our ability to sign a new sporting director. That is an A-plus conspiracy theory. That is just (laughs) fantastic. So you think there's a link between the funds that are coming in from that end and the uh, lack of a deal for the actual for the new sport, the, I mean, talk about Robin Peter to pay Paul. These guys, yeah. If that's the case, we have. I mean, who take? Who? I mean, maybe maybe whoever the sporting director is doesn't know that that's a possibility, or maybe it isn't. But if that's the case, we have uh, such a such a issue with our funds at this point. Yes, and I, I mean, I think that is certainly a possibility, and could be a reason why we were holding out for more money. Um, <laughs> which led to the deal falling apart. Do you think Jim Curtin's status as the coach um, has anything to do with the next director? Do you think that that's been discussed? And, and do you think that um, they want, they want to ensure that he's okay with keeping Jim on the 
team or is, is that something, I mean, I can't imagine that it's, it's the whole transition you know, they've got Ernie on the videos talking about what they've built and where they are for them to have already found somebody while Ernie was on board. I have a hard time believing that this is someone who's coming in within their own idea of the club that they're building versus yes, I'm willing to continue the work that's being done here. You know, like it's so yeah. somebody coming on board with free reign to make choices, to decide how, how you move forward with Jim Curtin, or is this somebody who's really, just going to continue pushing the, you know, the button the same way that Ernie was. I've got the, I mean, I have the feeling that part of the reason Ernie left is because he, he did lack kind of some of that control and that option to move on from a coach in the video that if we saw that he just, it almost felt a little too scripted in his praise for Curtin and, and what he had to put out there. So I, I do think that probably does hamper a lot of the, um, a lot of the candidates and they, if they can't get that assurance from ownership that they're going to have that control, I'm sure that definitely turns a lot of people off. I thought that was a little strange too. I mean, Ernie talks so much in that, in that video about how, um, you know, we have, we've built a style um, and we have a view of how, how it should be played. Like, I mean, I guess I kind of understand what the union style is, but it's not like, they're not Barcelona tiki taka. Like they seem to want to possess the ball a decent amount. And there's about it's get to the ball on the wings, try to get past somebody and get the ball inside. It doesn't really work. I don't know. I mean, I don't know what to say. Like they're not some prolific scoring team where you're like, when they come to town, you know what you're getting. Um, so like, I don't know how they've decided um, to stick with this style and this formation on a team that is legitimately mid table. Uh, maybe think over time. I think their thought is that over time it gets better, but um, I don't know. I just think for like to start talking in those ways. I mean, I think it's important to have a baseline in like the Academy, but to talk about like, this is the style that we're going to keep moving forward. It just seems like a little like definite for a team that hasn't really won anything yet. Um, that's yeah, just and my, it's, and it's tough to focus on your youth development and, and for Ernie to put his time and effort into building out an Academy well, guys, that they're just that the coaching is just not going to put on the field. Yeah, no, I uh, it's I don't know how you move that forward. I mean, he, listen, that's one of the things that we talked about this earlier that um, is probably the biggest storyline of the Union season is the two center backs, um, McKenzie and Trusty, getting this much time under twenty years of age in MLS. Like, if you had told me that that was going to happen and that Curtin would um, stick with that, I would have said you're crazy. I thought maybe one, but definitely not two of them. Uh, so a huge win in my book. There should be more. It's not enough in my opinion, but um, there should be more. So from what I've read on the interwebs, um, Curtin with, uh, I think his contract is only through the end of the season, which is also really interesting because, I'm, I mean, you bring in a sporting director, you have an extended Curtin, um, that makes me almost think like maybe there is some leeway that this director is going to have an opportunity to evaluate, to do some evaluation and decide who he wants to keep on board. Um, but at this point, um, got a couple months to figure it out. What do you do with, so moving on to the players, what do you do with CJ at this point? You've given him a raise. Burke is obviously your starter in the important games. How do you get CJ on the field? 
I don't mind him coming in as a sub right now later in the game. You know, if they do need a little something extra and maybe, you know, kind of, he's been coming in wide, I think on the, on the outside, right? Yeah, he's, he's been playing. playing on the, yeah, he's been playing on the, like he's been playing on the wing. I think uh, he and Burke were on the on the field together um, in the last match, which was nice to say. Yeah, so I mean, I don't I don't mind that that setup, but they've got to they've got to convince him that that's his role now, and maybe you know maybe he accepts that. I mean, I, I don't I don't know for sure, uh, but I, I, he is not a starter anymore, and they obviously jumped the gun there by giving him that that raise, um, but he. He just he just can't start anymore. I mean, and, and Burke's proven that that he should be on the field at all times. Yeah, Burke's. Yeah, I think Burke's absolutely proved that at least he's got a, a better opportunity to get into those spaces. Crazy. It's actually. I mean, it's sad. It's sad. I think CJ's pressing, and it just doesn't look like the style's fitting him anymore. Um, but hopefully, Burke's able to get a couple goals. I agree. I'd like to move him out to the wing. Um, but if, if let's say that you move him out to the wing. And your striker is um, Corey Burke. Like you got to bring in a striker at this point. I mean, how do you have one guy who's up there creating goals? And it's a guy, and a guy, Corey Burke. Who, listen, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but Joseph Martinez has like 17 goals. I mean, some of these like the goal scorers out there. I think Bradley Ray Phillips has 14 already this season. Like th- that's a goal scorer. I don't think that Corey Burke has five. If he does, I mean, actually, let me look that up. But I mean, you bring in, would you be bringing in a striker right now? Oh yeah, I man. I definitely think that it's absolutely a pressing need for for the union. I mean, it is to bring a striker in. But again, it all just comes back to them spending money. Um, yeah. But if if they were to spend it, yeah, I think up top would be would be a good idea. Let me apologize. Oh, you know what? I've got him at sixteen uh, appearances. Corey Burke, four goals this season. So, I mean, take that for what it is. I, I mean, there's seven days left. Like we said, it's a new chapter in union history here. Um, we're going to find out between now and a week from now when, you know, the union trot out against the Chicago Fire in the semifinal. We'll know, you know, who, is this team adding any talent? Um, and have they hired a, t- a technical director or a sporting director by that point? Pretty scary stuff. Um, you mentioned earlier the Eric Ayuk deal. Yes. Um, too good to be true, I guess. Too good to be true. I could not believe that he ends up playing, signing, or was supposed to sign for Team of Turkey. That is a legitimate, you know, Europa contender. Um, can't get on the field. Champions League. Can't get on the field yeah, in Bethlehem Steel. No, yes. But, you know, he could possibly play at, uh, you know, fairly high level in, in Turkey. Um, but I'm reading that uh, as of today that the, the Turkish team, I won't try and say Trabzonspor, I think is, is how you might say. I, it. I think that's um, right. Has backed out of the deal because the union want too much money, which that, I saw was a four hundred and fifty thousand dollar offer. That is so union to just be asking for outrageous sums of money. Like I thought to myself, they're gonna let them go for free. I mean, they found this guy in like the shores of Thailand somewhere. I feel like ten years or three years ago, he's gone on loan. He's not even playing on their USL team. There's about fifty different wings that are ahead of him on, the, and now they're going to stop this deal because they want more money for a guy. They've. I mean, I guess there's some investment there, 
but it's just unbelievable. Yeah. So I mean, they do have to they do have to share the money that they get um, with the team that he was on in in Africa. Oh, okay, um, so where he came from, he owes them some uh, some money. At this yeah, point. yes, they do. So the they would have to pay them. I don't know what the the agreement was, um, but I did read that that he would have to uh, he would have to give his. It's an old team or old management team that they all that a lot of the players come through there. I mean, yeah, he was playing. Hold on. So before the union in 2014, he was playing for the uh, Paya Chalawayans uh, football club in Thailand. Yeah, I think. The, but I think there's something called like the Dream Academy or something that they're a part uh, of that they that would have to pay. Okay, I think Akam. I think Akam might be part of that Dream Academy as well. Third party ownership type deal, I think. Mm. But I don't know if that's legal anymore. But um, yeah, he, he has some sort of ownership group. So I mean, that, that could factor into to the union asking for more money. But it sounds like they got pretty greedy. Oh, absolutely. I mean, just let the guy go. I mean, now the last thing I heard on this deal was that he was traveling back to Philadelphia <laughs> to work yeah, it out. Yeah, poor, poor guy. He'd gone through his medical. I mean, he was a part of uh, that squad for a split second. It's called Rainbow FC. Who Rainbow do you think even made that too. call? I thought about this today. Who made the call to Trabanzor or whatever Turkish team and even said that? Like, Ernie Stewart's not working here anymore today. So did Chris Albright make the call? You know, I, 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 that's the problem. And that's why I thought the union jumped on leaking that information to Tannenwald so quickly that – quick little press release this morning because they just had to get out in front of what the hell have you guys been doing for the last 60 days? So they wanted to start pushing those pieces out. I mean, the truth is until there's somebody signed, it just feels like it's chaos in there. Like, I don't know who's driving the boat. We have a coach that's on a short deal. We have no real general manager at this point and a team that's not spending and seven days left in the window. Like it's incredible. It's incredible. It is, and right. I mean, right now I'm still putting a optimistic spin on everything just because of the Champions League. If, if we go out and, and we lose next week, then the season gets quite bleak very fast. Oh, absolutely! It's a, it's a. Our heads are, our pets' heads are falling off. Moment. If that game ends in a loss, we have no tech director. Like, there's nothing left. Yep. I mean, there's a, you have the MLS season and, you know, you get through it and you hope that they're going to win some games and some teams drop and, you, and we can get into the playoffs and maybe, maybe there's a little run there. But, boy, it's going to be a, a down moment next week if that turns out to be a tough, a tough night on Wednesday. Um, but like we talked about earlier, on Saturday night, you can play Portland at 11 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. going to be a late game. And then next Wednesday at home against Chicago, um, they'll be taking on the fire in the semifinal of the U.S. Open Cup, possibly bringing the first uh, – well, if they win that game and the next, then bringing the first piece of hardware to uh, Town Energy Stadium, formerly known as PPL Park. Uh, but that's all we have uh, this evening. I just want to thank Jason for uh, joining the program. We appreciate you coming out, bud. Always a good time. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. You got it. And uh, we'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks a lot. All right. Sounds good.
I say what I think that the company stinks. Yes, I'm a union man. When we meet in the local hall, I'll be voting with them all. With the head of a shout, it's out, brothers out, and the rise of the factories fall. Oh, yeah.